You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the sermon for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the message. We are week five out of six in the You've Heard It Said series. And it, this just gets better and better and better for me the deeper we get into this. I do need to, since we don't have our our footnotes podcast, I need to uh, tell you that I made a mistake last week. Last week I said that Jesus said 16 times, you've heard it said, and and that's actually not true. Uh, There's a number of times he says, you heard it said. There's a number of times where he implies you've heard it said, but 16 times what he says is, but I say to you. So Jesus in this sermon is, is setting the record straight. What does it mean to live for God? What does it mean to honor God? What does it mean to live godly lives? And ultimately, what does it mean to be a disciple? Jesus is setting the record straight. You've heard it said, but I say to you. And each week we are starting out by zooming out and and kind of looking at the landscape and then zooming back in and seeing how each part fits within the picture. That's been our approach to this series. You could, you, lots of different ways of studying the Bible. I think, I think ultimately you should know the, the larger picture before you get into the details. And, uh, and that's what we're doing with this particular series. And, uh, and we'll notice that there's six major themes. This, we, we broke this series into six messages. It's one message from Jesus. His disciples heard one message. And so ultimately in our hearts, in our minds, we need to put all the parts and pieces back together and see this as one big message. But, but pay attention and hear what the first hearers heard. That's that's. That's the most important part for us this morning is what did they hear when they heard this message? And today, to help us understand the larger landscape, I want to start where Jesus ends in this fifth section. So we're going to go to Matthew 7, 12. This is the last verse that we'll look at, but also the first verse. In everything, therefore, and that's why the therefore is there, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. Treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and prophets. We call this the golden rule, right? And there's a number of ways that we're going to see how, how we are to treat others the way we want to be treated. There's a number of ways, and, and, we'll, and we'll talk about those. We'll, we'll, we'll look at each of those. But I want to notice the larger picture of the whole sermon before we move on. 
because they're starting to develop a chiasm. You may have noticed it last week. Let's go ahead and put the next slide. Uh, chiasm is a literary tool that rabbis used, and it helps you to connect parts and pieces together, it helps you draw your attention to, to a larger conversation. Uh, it, it makes a simple conversation more complex. We talk about this quite a bit. If this is your first time hearing about this, uh, please pull Logan or I aside. We'd love to talk to you more uh, because uh, it's a very helpful tool, but the chiasm is, is a tool that the first hearers would have started when they walked away from this message, they would have thought about this larger conversation and, and they would have talked about, well, what does Jesus mean about this? And what does he mean by about that? And, and by, by, by using a chiasm, because you know, they weren't using uh, podcasts and recording devices and, and those kinds of things. So they, they couldn't review the tape. They had to review the tape in their own minds and, and, and the wrestle with each other. What was that about? So here's the chiasm. Uh, first week, hunger and thirst for righteousness. You'll be satisfied. This is for, this is for, this message is for the people that were once considered unreligious. This message is, this kingdom is for the people that were thought to be out. Actually, they are in. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness and you're not seeing it yet, that's okay. Keep fighting, keep going. This is for you. And then the next week, um, you are to become, nope. Thanks. Um, You are to become perfect as your father is perfect. And then at the next week, so week three, we talked about don't practice your righteousness in front of people in order to earn a reward. And then last week we talked about your, your reward should be reserved in heaven. Invest in the kingdom and you will get the reward that you long for, but it's delayed gratification. Okay, so now this week we get... The next level, treat people the way you want to be treated. And while this week's message is a standalone message, it's also part of the overall conversation. And let's go to the next. And this is connected to what it means to become perfect as your father and in heaven is perfect. So we have to know that week two and week five These messages are connected and we need to wrestle with in what way are they connected? We'll talk about that here in just a second. What you need to know is that this is not the first time someone said something like this. In fact, this was part of Jewish thought, but Hillel said it differently a hundred years before and, and how Jesus changes it matters. So let's look at the next slide. Hillel said, that which is hateful to you, do not do to your fellow. That is the whole Torah. The rest is interpretation. If you don't want someone doing to you, don't do it to them. That was Hillel's approach. So I don't like people cut me off in line at Costco. So guess what I don't do very often. Logan said I should probably get away from the reserve conversation. Costco's on reserve. I'm not sure how far away we got, but here we go. 
Here we go. That which is hateful to you, do not do to your fellow. Let's connect this to Logan's sermon. Oh, by the way, this, this is common in philosophy today, isn't it? Isn't this a common, like this was in Greek philosophy. Uh, I think this is, is common in, in American philosophy. You don't want people to do that to you. Why do you do it? Let's look at the next slide. So Hillel would say, hey, don't murder because you don't want to be murdered. You shouldn't murder because you don't want to be murdered. While Jesus says, hey, let's go further than that. Let's actually be proactive in resolving conflict. Do to others what you'd want them to do to you. Next. Hello, say, don't, don't commit adultery. Like it, you don't want that done to you. Jesus says, no, let's go to the heart level. Let's look at, let's look at the ladies around us with the lens of honor. Let's be proactive. Let's, let's honor people with the way we look at them. Next one. Hello would say, you know what? As long as she doesn't burn your toast, don't divorce her. And, and, and that's actually not a joke. Like that was a conversation. I'm not being flippant there. But Jesus says, be proactive in the way you love them. Be proactive in the way that you love them. Next one. Hillel would say, don't give false vows. You don't like it when people give you false vows. Don't, don't give false vows. Or pay attention how you give your vows. But Jesus says, just, just be a trustworthy person. Let your yes be yes and your, and your no be no. Next. Hello would say, don't take vengeance. And Jesus says, be extravagant in the way you serve people. If they ask you to go one mile, go two miles. Be extravagant in the way you serve people. Next. Hello, say it's okay to hate your enemy. That's not scriptural, but I could, I could bend the word that way. I could, I, could, I could tweak God's word that way. And Jesus says, no, love your enemy. Love your enemy. And then finally, Uh, that was it. That's all we got. I thought, man, this is so good. Like Jesus was just saying so many cool things. I just thought we should keep going. Oh man. Jesus, uh, Hillel says, don't be bad to others unless they're bad to you. Jesus says, I say to you, you are to proactively do good to others and expect nothing in return. You're not, you're not doing good to others so that they'll do good to you. You're doing it because your father in heaven is perfect. And you're becoming like him. That's your motivation. That's your motivation. So let's look at the uh, specific ways here in chapter seven that he calls us to become perfect, to treat others. All right.
So starting in verse one, do not judge so that you will not be judged for in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measured, it will be measured to you. A couple things from you say here, uh, reasons why we judge, I think. Uh, things are out of control. And some of us like control, don't we? I mean, to some degree, all of us like control. We see injustice and we long for justice. And if no one else is going to bring that justice, then we're going to bring it. Problem is this, as parents, we understand that little seven-year-old Johnny is not very good at judging his siblings. And we haven't gotten much better in the years since we were seven years old. We're not much better. We still have, we still have our subset of rules that we apply to other people that we don't necessarily apply to ourselves to the same degree. And there's this other subset of rules that we know we're breaking and we're relatively comfortable with the fact that we're doing it. And we could justify in some sense, or we try to justify why we ignore this other set of subset of rules. So if you don't live by my subset of rules that I'm championing, that's bad. But there's these other subset of rules that I feel pretty confident I'm okay ignoring. Uh, like the speed limit. I feel pretty confident I'm okay doing five to 10 over all the time. How about you? Anybody else in the room feel okay with five to 10 over? Yeah, <laughs> there's some honesty, there's some roughly right in the room, I love it. The thing is, though, is we, there's this desire inside of us. Even seven-year-old Johnny wants justice, but they want their version of justice. And it's not that Jesus is not asking us, he's not asking us to ignore the evils of the world. In Romans 12, we're told, never take your own vengeance. This is an Old Testament concept, but New Testament writers recognize it. But leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. The issue is, is vengeance is never supposed to be mine. It's always, I'm supposed to leave it to him. And, and, and here's the problem with judgment. I might start judging this group of people over here. I, I did this this week, by the way. None of you in the room, <laughs> not you guys, but I started judging, you know, a very small subset of people and it never stays there. It always leaks into other relationships. Eventually it's a disease. It's a cancer. Judging is a cancer that moves and we end up judging ourselves oftentimes.
So how are you to become perfect? How are you to treat others? Be merciful. Be merciful. Jesus goes on and says, why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your eye? Knocking people over with your log. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye. Behold, the log is in your own eye. Like he says it twice. He just, he really wants you to notice the log in your own eye. You hypocrite, you actor, you pretending that your life is okay when it's not. First take the log out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly and take to take out the speck from your brother's eye. See, oftentimes we draw attention to the sins, the mistakes, and the shortcomings of others so that, so that people will not notice our own sins, our own mistakes, our own shortcomings. I did this a lot as a kid. <laughs> I figured if I highlighted my brother's shortcomings that my parents would be so busy looking at his shortcomings, they wouldn't notice mine. Uh, they, they noticed both. <laughs> they were not persuaded. They were not dissuaded. You maybe you've seen uh, a coworker do this before where they're just, they're, they highlight the mistakes of other people around them. And then eventually it catches up to them because they were highlighting these mistakes out here because they were hiding these mistakes here. Logan uh, created a graphic for us. Byzine, it's, it's plank eye relief. It removes hypocrisy, ensues anger and irritation. It's designed to work like real repentance. This is the solution. This is how you become Perfect. This is how you treat others. Deal with your sins, your mistakes, your shortcomings, and then, and then help others. This, my friends, this is, this is what most, most every major ministry that you could think of was, was born. Think about celebrate recovery. Think about Christian recovery programs. God leads someone on a path of redemption, on a path of restoration, on a, on a path of healing. And they get to the end of that path and, and, and they've taken the log out of their eye and they turn around. And they're like, I need to help other people now. I'm going to help other people with recovery. I'm going to help other people have restoration. I'm going to help other people have healing. Uh, this is youth ministry, right? I was a dumb kid making dumb mistakes and I want to help d dumb kids not make dumb mistakes. <laughs> or, or, the, or that person just hasn't grown up yet and that's, you know, there's probably a little bit of that too. But this is, this is what ministry, this is the financial, like someone goes through, uh, someone, someone goes to the church and they go, I need help. And, and so the church offers benevolence to them and they get their life on, on track. And 
more often than not, the people that end up running that ministry end up like making that ministry happen within the church. They were there. Someone took them through a journey of restoration and now they're taking other people. Now that the log is out of their eye, they're taking. And so if you're wondering, man, do I have, should I be helping someone? Yeah. In what way has God brought restoration and healing to you? Maybe that's your area of ministry. Now that the log is out of your eye, maybe you could help people with the specks in their eye. Jesus goes on and says, do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now for some context to this, um, I, this one, this one confused me for the longest time. Like what, what does this mean? Why, why is this here? Does this fit the others? Uh, the rest of this section but um, both dogs and, and, and swine are considered unclean in the Jewish mind, uh, which is why I don't eat dogs. That was a joke. Um, I don't eat dogs. That part was not the joke. <laughs> um, pearls is wisdom. Don't give your wisdom to someone who wants to be unclean. Don't if they, if they want to be unclean, if they're dedicated to their uncleanness, you throwing your pearls at them is just going to cause them to just turn and attack you. Or, you know, they're not ready for it. And then what is holy is either the scriptures or your testimony, or there may be some other holy things, but We've all been in a place where we were not ready for wisdom. Can I get an amen? Either your parents, they were going to share wisdom with you and you're like, I don't want to hear it. Could have been your best friend. It could have been your spouse. Could have been someone that you hated. It didn't matter. When you were not ready for wisdom, more words did not make you more ready for wisdom right? If that's true for you, it's true for the rest of the human race as well. Sometimes the wisest thing that we could do is say nothing. And that's a challenge to know which is which. Is it time for me to speak? Or is it time for me to wait. The father in the prodigal son story, while his son was slopping with the pigs, waited. I think we have to be like the father in the prodigal son story though, and ready to run to the person once they turn for wisdom. Matt Becker as a friend of mine in Moscow, Idaho, I, I consider him an evangelist. I think he's spiritually gifted as an evangelist, but he uses something that I think is amazing. 
he uses a technique that's fantastic. Now he has a ten- tendency to to uh, share his testimony with the least of these people that are uh, actively ad- addicted to drugs, people that are just coming out of the prison system. And he won't share his testimony with them until they ask for it. And he makes them ask for it. And you're wondering why, aren't you? You guys probably don't want me to tell you how he does that, right? No one in the room wants to know? He will, he will say to, to the young man or the young woman, he goes, God has done so many amazing things in my life, but you probably don't want to hear about my testimony. And time and time again, they'll be like, what? No, no I, don't tell me what I don't want. I want to hear your testimony. I want to hear your story. And you'd be like, uh, I don't think so. I, you know, like, especially if he knows that they're like really stuck in, in, you know, their, their ways. He'll be like, I really don't think you want to hear it. And then be like, no, 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 tell me. Now, if they say, you're right, dude. <laughs> I don't care about you. I don't care about your God. I don't care about none of that. And they walk away. He does. He's like, not throwing pearls towards them. They're not ready. When they're ready, I'll be ready. Let people ask you for your testimony. Invite them to ask you with your testimony. Even be ingen- like, uh, ingenious, creative in your approach. But if they're not ready for it, don't give it to them. Jesus goes on and says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone you ask receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. He just said that twice. That might mean something. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he not give him a snake? Will he? (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Every time I read this, I think about my dad. Because my dad would go, hey, Rob, do you want a donut? Yeah, dad, I want a donut. And then he would hit me in the shoulder. And he goes, hurts, donut. And don't, don't, don't let me get, get started on Snickers. Do you want a Snickers, son? Oh, yeah, dad. I want a Snickers. Snickers, 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 Snickers. Do dads give you a stone when you ask for bread sometimes? Uh Uh-huh. Do dads give you a a snake when you ask for a fish sometimes? Yes. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, maybe that's where the evil part comes in. Moms wouldn't do that, but dads would. How much more will your father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Now, Jesus, uh, when, when we were talking about this, when we were talking about my dad and, and the Hertz Donut thing, um, 
and, and did I do that to my kids? Yes. Will I do that to my grandkids? Uh-huh. <laughs> Guaranteed. I will always get them a donut though afterwards. I'll be not quite as evil. Um, but when I shared that, it got Logan thinking during sermon club, he goes, wait a minute. How do you make bread in the ancient world? You grab some wheat and you grab a stone and you grind up the wheat. Oh, wait a minute. Is, is dad teaching the son how to make bread? You could give a son a fish or you could teach him to fish. You could give a son a fish and he'll eat for a day or you could teach him how to fish and he will eat for a lifetime. Here's the thing about parents, moms and dads alike. They know, they have an uncanny ability to know, not, not, not everyone, but more often than not, parents know when giving a fish is the right thing to do or giving them a snake that's unclean so that they go, dad, I can't have that. I can't eat that snake. That's unclean. You're right, son. There's the fishing pole. There's the net. Let's catch some fish. Dads know that. How much more? How much more? And if we're going to become perfect like our father, and if we're going to treat others the way we want to be treated, when someone comes asking, we are to give. When they come seeking, we need to be the ones to reveal it. And when they knock, we need to answer the door. We, if we're going to be like our father in heaven, we need to do those things for people. And it reminds me of James chapter two. James says this, my brethren, do not hold your faith in your glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. Someone comes asking, they come seeking, they come knocking. We're not to go. I don't think you can handle this. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring, dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who's wearing fine clothes and say, you sit here in the good place. And you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down by my footstool. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? Listen, my beloved brethren. Did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith? Now, up to this point, I go, oh, James is talking about monetarily rich. Those with large bank accounts. Those driving expensive cars. I think he's talking both. Whether they're monetarily rich or they're spiritually rich. Whether they're monetarily poor or spiritually poor, it doesn't matter we have a tendency to do this to people, to judge who is worthy of pearls and who is worthy of what is holy. We judge people and we shouldn't. You have dishonored the poor man. Is not the rich 
who oppress you and personally drag you into the court. Now, let's look, uh, let's look at the next slide. The, the man with the, with the gold ring and the fine clothes, that's Joseph of Genesis 41, right? Pharaoh takes the, the signet ring off of his hand. And he puts it on Joseph's hand and he dresses him with fine clothing. That's Joseph of Genesis 41. But the poor man, dirty clothes. That's also Joseph of Genesis 41. James is saying, you don't know who that person will become. You don't know what that person will become. And I want to say this to you, if you feel spiritually poor, God honors you. You may feel like the Joseph that's just, you know, dragged out of the dungeon and not sure what, what that big ball in the sky. You come out of the dark dungeon and you feel spiritually poor and you're like, I don't think God could ever use me because of the unholy things I've done. God can change that. He could change your future. Your past does not define your future. Your decision to ask, to seek, to knock is what defines your future, not your past. Not your past. And so we are to be the kind of person that they ask, we will give. If they seek, we will reveal. If they knock, the door will be open. One last thing. Uh, there's some context here. Uh, Jesus uses a type of argument that, uh, that the original hearers would have heard. It's called uh, Calva Homer. And it's arguing from the lesser to the greater. If the lesser is true, the greater is true. If you being evil know how to discern whether to give someone bread or a stone so they can make bread, a fish or an eel so that they'll go fishing. If you know how to give those good gifts, how much more does your father in heaven know how to give you good gifts? I want to tie this back to that idea of maybe you have been doing some unholy things. Maybe you've been messing around with some unholy things or, or, or there's, just, there's some shame that just wants to cling to you. And tell you that, that your past is what determines your future. And maybe, maybe, maybe shame's accusing you because you've asked for bread and God's given you a stone and you don't understand it. You've asked for a fish and he's giving you a snake and you're like, what in the world is this? 
You're not trusting the process yet because he's not done with you. He's not done. Your past does not define you. It's, it's whether or not you're willing to ask, seek, and knock. So the implication is this. God has a path of redemption for you. Don't let your past hold you back. Don't let your past hold you back. Ask and seek and knock. Keep pursuing God. Keep pressing in. Know that this kingdom is for you if you long for it, if you desire, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, but you're not seeing it yet. You still see too much unrighteousness in your life. And you're like, ugh, I just want rid of this. God has a path of redemption for you. And maybe it looks like he gave you a stone or a snake, an eel, and it's confusing. But maybe he's leading you to a larger process, something that will feed you for a lifetime. It feels like your prayer has gone unanswered because what he's given you is hard. But maybe that hard is what's healing. Second implication, be the kind of person that owns their mistakes. No matter how big, no matter how small, just, 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 just own them. Don't try to run from them. We're roughly right. Don't shy away from them. Don't try to hide them. Don't try to highlight other people's mistakes so that yours are ignored. Be the kind of person that owns their mistakes and helps others overcome theirs. By the way, correction is easier to swallow when it's flavored with grace. If you, if you feel God leading you to, to bring correction, bring a healthy dose of grace. Number three, the golden rule compels us to proactively bless others, to, to, to be looking for ways to bless others without expectation of return. Jesus says it this way, in everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. This is how we honor our God. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come and join us for worship. Service times, location, and all kinds of other fun stuff can be found on our website, missionridge.church. You can connect with Mission Ridge Church through Facebook or Instagram, so give us a like or follow. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in.